So this morning we begin with text 32. Krishna's Goswami has told us to pay rapt attention to, uh, to what he's presented here, all of which is supported by revealed scripture. On this note we concluded yesterday. So I want to go try to go through today this section in which he explains the first part of his first Namaskar Shloka, which is the first verse of Chaitanya Charitamrita. And again, in this Shloka, he gives his obeisances in a general way to the Lord. The second Namaskar Shloka gives it in a specific way. We'll get to that, but... The first part of the sloka is what? Who knows the first sloka? Yes. So, what will we be discussing today then? The um, uh, Namaskar General, that verse. Yeah, but what part of it? First part, Gurun, the Gurus, Vande Gurun, that section. So the first part is Vande Gurun. So it says, Krishna Guru Bhakta Shakti Avatar Prakash, e Krishna Echai Rupe Karena Vilas. Before discussing the Guru, he's going to go over these six points in general. Lord Krishna enjoys by manifesting himself as the spiritual masters, devotees, diverse energies, incarnations, and the plenary portions. They are all six in one. So the words Karena Bilas are nice here because it says in the last words of the, of the verse, it underscores the fact that Krishna does things for his own pleasure, not by force, not by the law of karma, or you know, for any reason, just for fun. Um, this is what God is about, having fun just like what we would like to be about, and we can be about if we make our lives in concert with His, if we make our will one with His. So, it's also worth noting that one of these ways in which He has enjoys Himself is to manifest as the Guru. So, to avoid that, the Guru, which people seem to like to do sometimes these days in the, in the modern age, does not give much pleasure to him. As we'll see, in that form he comes particularly uh, to, to make himself available, more so than in other, other manifestations mentioned here. Echai tatver chari chananavandan pratame samanye kori mongol chanan. So, I worship the lotus feet of these six diversities of the one truth by invoking their benedictions. Then the verse, Vande Guru Nishabhaktan Isham Ishabhatarakan Tat Prakasham Cha Tat Chakti Krishna Chaitanya Sangnakam. 
And from my respectful basis is under the gurus, the devotees, the Lord's incarnations, his plenary portions, his energies, and the Lord himself, Sri Krishna Chaitanya. Mantra Guru Ad Jata Shikshu Guru Gaon Tanhat Charana Age Kodiya Vandan. I first offer my respectful obeisances under the lotus feet of my initiating spiritual master, and then to all my instructing spiritual masters. He's going to establish this point, that uh, this concept that there are two manifestations of the Guru. Uh, there are more, but these two in particular he's going to emphasize the Diksha Guru and the Siksha Guru. And you want to give some evidence to support these concepts. Sri Rup Sanatan Bhattaragunath, Sri Jiva Gopal Bhattadasaragunath. Obeisances to the six Goswamis. Echai Guru, Shiksha Guru, Yayamar, Tansavar Padapadmi Koti Namaskar. These are my six Shiksha Gurus, and therefore I offer millions of respectful obeisances under their lotus feet. So he had the direct uh, association of these great saints. They instructed him. And uh, they uh, conferred upon him this, uh, they benedicted him, I should say, with their uh, order for him to write about, write this, this very book. Uh, I don't know if we've noted it, but this is the last work of Krishnadas Kaviraj Goswami. He wrote a number of other books also. And uh, this is his final work. As he describes in the text itself later on, he was at a very, very old age and had arthritis and didn't know if he would live long enough to finish and so forth. So this is considered to be his most, um, the crown jewel of his literary contributions. And it's uh, done directly under the shiksha, the guidance instruction of the six Goswamis of Vrindavan, in Vrindavan, at Radhakund. This was written. The place where he wrote it is there preserved still today. Very humble uh, dwelling, to say the least, compared to what you heard. Bhagavanir Bhakta Jata Srivas Pradhan Tan Sabhar Padapadme Sahasra Pranam. So, amongst the innumerable devotees of the Lord, Srivas Thakur, he singles out in particular to uh, represent them. He offers his pranams thousands of times unto his lotus feet. So that was the in his in his verse, Namaskar verse, Vande Guru and Isha Bhaktan. You know, we've gone from Guru to Bhakta now. Then next Isha Avatar means the avatar of the Lord. So he says, Advaita Charja Prabhur Angsha Avatar Tanurpada Padmi Kuti Pranati Amar. So the way Advaita Charja is a incarnation of the Lord for my obeisances millions of times his lotus feet. Nityananda Rai Prabhur Sarup Prakash Tanurpadapadma Pandodjanur Muidas. Now, this verse says, Nityananda Ram is a Swarup Prakash manifestation, expansion of, of the Lord. And I am his servant. Therefore, I offer my respectful obeisances at his lotus feet. You may notice here that Prabhupada has inserted the, the idea that, that Krishnadas Kaviraj Goswami was initiated by Nityananda Prabhu. That's not there specifically in the text, but Prabhupada has put that in. It says, what does he say? I've been initiated by him. The verse says, Tanrapada Padma 
Bandho Janur Muidas. I am his servant. I offer my obeisances to him. There doesn't seem to be any documentation amongst the devotees, neither uh, to speak of or amongst uh, academics who have looked into this subject matter, as to who the initiating spiritual master of uh, Krishna's Kaviraj Goswami is, other than what that Prabhupada has said here. What evidence he has to support that he is not, not given. We know that Krishna's Kaviraj Goswami left home because in his home, home of his brother, where he was staying, and Nityananda Prabhu was not given the proper respect. And so he left home, and Nityananda Prabhu then appeared to him at night and instructed him to go to Vrindavan, where he would find all wealth and, and so forth. And there he got the shelter of Madan Mohan deity and Goswamis and became the author of Chaitanya Charitamrita. That is the story. So, other than what Prabhupada says here, as I say, there isn't really any overt emphasis on the part of Krishna's Kaviraj Goswami as to uh, offering regard to his Diksha Guru anywhere in the text. Throughout the book, he's offering his respects to his Diksha Gurus, the Goswamis. The beginning of practically every chapter, uh, or many chapters, and that's at the end of every chapter, almost every chapter, maybe one or two, maybe only one, he doesn't do that. He offers his respects to Rup and Raghunath, Rup Goswami, Raghunath Das Goswami. So these had the, the most powerful influence upon him. If we, if we uh, go with Prabhupada's feeling here that he's initiated by Nityananda Prabhu, then that's, that's one thing. But otherwise, if we look at it in terms of there being no emphasis on his part, overtly, on his Diksha Guru, we would think that the Diksha Guru has played a more prominent role in his life than his Diksha Guru, which is, a, which is a possibility. It does happen sometimes, and thus this has been uh, brought to light in an in a interesting way by the great Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Thakur, who himself was initi- initiated by Gorkishore, who was certainly um, no, no um, small person, um, uh, but nonetheless was influenced more by Bhaktivedanta Thakur, his Siksha Guru, in terms of uh, how he conducted himself in his life and created a mission and so forth, all for, for, to fulfill the desires of Bhaktivedanta Thakur. So that, it's worth perhaps mentioning this, because this kind of thing has been talked about here and there and, and, and misunderstood a fair amount as, as well amongst devotees in the contemporary Gaudiya Vaishnava world. The concept of the Siksha Guru Parampara or the Bhagavad Guru Parampara opposed to the Diksha Guru Parampara. I've written about this in my book, Sri Guru Parampara. Some of you may have read that, so you may be clear on it. But just uh, briefly, Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Thakur, at the time of his preaching, felt that there were a number of lineages coming from the associates of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, like the Goswamis, or Gadadhar Pandit, or Advaita Paribar, or the Nityananda Paribar. Hmm? And particularly the Goswami lineages, the Goswamis themselves, the six Goswamis obviously had no children. They were Goswamis, they were sannyasis, renunciates. Um, but they appointed certain householder disciples to take care of their deities. And from these householder disciples came the lineages of the Goswamis. Those householder disciples called themselves Goswamis, as if they were family members of Rupa and, and, and Sanatan. The other lineages incidentally, were 
largely, uh, well, Advaitas and, and Nityananda Prabhu's apparent seminal lineages. In other words, Nityananda Prabhu had son, and uh, uh, Advaita Prabhu had, had sons. Gadadhar, I believe, did, did not marry, so he didn't have any. But the Goswamis, obviously they didn't have any, but but the their disciples considered themselves family members. No harm there. They adopted the title Goswami, and uh, there's some objection to that, in as much as it's not really a hereditary title, but it means who's got control of his mind and senses. And so it it, it appears that in the estimation of Bhaktisiddhanta Sarasvati Thakur, things deteriorated to a large extent in these lineages, particularly the Nityananda Paribar and the Goswami lineages, to the extent that, that people were in a in that were the next in succession but their only qualification for being there was that they were in a particular family and had nothing to do with their spiritual qualifications now some people object to this idea and say that bhakti was uh, chaitanya vaishnavism was very much thriving at the time of bhakti vinod and bhakti siddhanta saraswati thakur we characterize as reforming the whole movement and, and so forth. They object to this idea and say that it was thriving. They cite certain historical references and so forth uh, to give support to that idea. But regardless of the fact that it was thriving in some respects and flourishing, um, we have on our own practical experience today that Gaudiya Vaishnavism is flourishing. In other words, it's expanding. Since the time of Srila Prabhupada's coming to the Western world, for example, there are so many more temples and so many more devotees. But those of us who are involved in it are also somewhat disappointed in the way that it, which is growing. It doesn't have the kind of regard and respectability that, and dignity that it should because of the way it's, it's been presented or misrepresented and so forth. So the mere fact that it's, that it's alive and expanding and it could be documented historically centuries later that look, there were more temples, there were more people, there were more gurus, there were more institutions coming to America, the whole thing was going on. And here Swami Tripurari is saying that uh, you know, it was in need of reform. His disciples say that he was reforming it or something. But So uh, we can use our own practical experience today to understand what the situation was like then. And with regard to misrepresentation and the abuse of the, of the, um, the chair, if you will, in the lineage, we see that happening today in, uh, in many respects. In the traditional lineages of, of the Goswamis, uh, for example, in Nityananda Paribar and other Paribars, you can go to places of pilgrimage that are presided over by uh, someone in those lineages that are kept in constant disrepair. Why are they in constant disrepair? Because pilgrims save their money and maybe once in a lifetime come to the Holy Dom. And when they come to the Holy Dom, they come to the holy places. And if you've got one of those holy places under your care and it's in disrepair, you've got a good reason to ask them for a donation to repair the temple, to repair the samadhi, to repair the this, that, and the other. So people give. But they'll never come back again, the vast majority of them, those pilgrims, because it's all they could, their life savings to go to Vrindavan. And so the place is kept in constant disrepair. So what's happening is that the so-called acharya in charge of it is basically just making a living off of the pilgrims. We see this happening even today. And other kind of uh, similar 
in spirit uh, discrepancies going on everywhere. So we have no doubt that uh, that Arpisiddhanta Sastra sought to reform something that uh, that was in, was in, in need of reform, and one of the ways in which he did this was to emphasize the uh, the concept of a Siksha Guru Parampara, in which basically he simply said, whoever influences one spiritually, like Sridhar Maharaj was once asked, who's the most important guru? He said, whoever helps you the most, hmm. whether it be the Diksha Guru, the Siksha Guru, the Sanyash Guru, the Ragmar Guru, this Guru or that Guru, so many different kinds of Gurus. It's a very practical, common sense, spiritual answer. But what's happening in the Diksha lineages, uh, in many instances, is that the emphasis is that Diksha Guru is the main Guru. And there's some truth to that. Usually the Diksha Guru will become the Diksha Guru because of his... What? Because of his Siksha. Because he's giving good instructions. And so, naturally, he's the most important Guru, and he'll continue to give instructions also, as well. So, but to abuse that idea without giving much instruction, but saying, I'm the next current link, and coming from Nityananda Prabhu himself, without coming through me, you cannot get the grace of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And this kind of emphasis and intimidation and kind of institutionalized uh, presentation of the of the divine current, which is, uh, is like the flow of the Ganges. It can go as it, as it likes but to try to institutionalize it and say it's only here, you can only get it here. This is uh, actually offensive, but to, to do that, and then to emphasize on top of that, through our line, come to Gurudev, he will give you, you what is your siddhadeha, he will tell you, if you don't have that, you cannot go back to God. This thing starts to become, uh, just a, all this becomes just a marketing technique to get people who get disciples, who's then, then, then they say, you can go anywhere for a shikshar, that's fine. This is the Diksha Guru. You give all your donations here. Hmm? Hmm. You can have any Siksha Guru, that's all right, but you give your donations, go here. As long as I've got that in place, they don't even have to give Siksha. There are other Siksha Gurus, you can go to them and, and so forth. So this kind of abuse um, is, is, a, is, is a problem. And there are manifestations of it today. You read some of these purports that Prabhupada wrote in this section and you say, wow, this is the answer to so many things that people are saying in his name that are that are that are misconceptions about the concept of guru is just very, very clear. He quotes Jiva Goswami at the end of one of his purports here saying one should not accept a guru based on a ecclesiastical considerations like, forgive me, but what the GBC, ecclesiastical body, says you should do. But find a proper guru, that's all. That's what it's all about. So, Anyway, Bhaktisiddhanta Sarsati Thakur, in, in opposition to this, he tried to kind of break up this monopoly, if you will, and, and um, or various monopolies and expose the, the, the spiritual shortcomings of it. And he emphasized more than a Siksha Guru Parampara, which is sometimes called a, what he called a Bhagavad Guru Parampara. Because these gurus would all talk about having a, a Siddhapranali, a, a line of perfect gurus, but the, uh, many of them were, not, were hardly, hardly perfect. I mean, not even the lowest standard of of what we might call perfect, just mundane, You're abusing the whole position. So he said, oh, if we were to draw a line of siddhas, then we'll draw it like this, wherever we find siddhas. And if you connect the dots, like that. So, 
oh, then oh, the people object to this kind of thing. It has to be a diksha, unbroken guru parampara. So in in, its, in the Bhagavad Guru Parampara or Siksha Guru Parampara conception of Bhakti Siddhanta Sarasati Thakur, there is also <laughs> Diksha. He initiated everybody. We follow his line, we give the Diksha and so forth and so on. But we bear, more or less are embracing a principle that wherever we can get the most help, then we take that. And and we're opposed to the kind of uh, making a business out of the, out of the Guru. So it's interesting in this regard to note that Krishna's Kaviraj Goswami overtly, at least himself, does not emphasize the Diksha Guru. It would appear, it would appear, other than what Prabhupada has inserted in the translation here as his uh, insight, that uh, which is fine, but other than that, it would appear that uh, that um, Krishna's Kaviraj Goswami overtly doesn't emphasize his Guru, but the Siksha Guru. So this gives what I'm saying is some more credence from the text of Chaitanya Charitamrita itself to the idea of Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Thakur. It got so bad in some of these lineages that if you got initiated and the guru didn't tell you your Siddhadeha and then he passed away, you were, no one else would, would give it to you, not that they could. No one else would give it to you, oh, the guru didn't give it to you. It's just given the business of the Diksha Guru. But no, it's the business of, of whomever can help you, really, to help you. So, just a side point here. Otherwise, um, continuing with the text, he says, Gadadhar Panditadi Prabhur Nija Shakti Tansabhat Charani Mor Sahasra Pranati. Now, from my respectful basis, unto the internal potencies of the Lord, of whom Gadadhar Pandit is the foremost. So, he's offered his obeisances to the gurus, to the devotees, to the incarnations, to the uh, expansions and to the Shakti of the Lord. It's basically the Panchatattva plus Gurus and yeah, plus Gurus. And then uh, to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu himself. Shri Krishna Chaitanya Prabhu Sayam Bhagavan Tanhara Pradaro Vinde Ananta Pranam. Thousands of unlimited Pranams to the lotus feet of Shri Krishna Chaitanya who is Swayam Bhagavan. Savarani Prabhure Kori Namaskar Kori Having offered obeisances to the Lord and all his associates, I shall now try to explain these six diversities. Yadyapi Amaru Guru Chaitanya Das Tatabi Jani Ami Tanhar Prakash. Although I know that my spiritual master is a servitor of Lord Chaitanya, I know him also to be a plenary manifestation of the Lord. Guru Krishna Rupahan Shastre Rera Pramane Guru Rupe Krishna Kripa Koren Bhakta Gane According to the deliberate opinion of the revealed scriptures, the spiritual master is non-different from Krishna. Lord Krishna, in the form of the spiritual master, delivers the devotee. So, this is the point now he wants to establish and he'll cite many Pranam verses. What is the point? The Guru is Krishna. The Guru is a particular manifestation of Krishna. So, there are a lot of conclusions to draw from this. You should never be disregarded. You should be honored like the Lord, so on and so forth. He has offered his obeisances in a six-fold way, right? To Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, to God himself, to his expansion, like Nityananda, his incarnations, like Advaita, his um, Shuddha Bhaktas, like Srivas, and to the gurus. He basically wants to say all of these are manifestations of Krishna. 
So this is a, a kind of a, well, it's an interesting, if not revolutionary, point where the guru is being equated with with Krishna, but he's differentiating at the same time. I know he's a servant of Chaitanya, but I also know him to be a, man, a particular manifestation of him. So who can give us a verse that says something similar? Sakshadhaditrena, we sing it every morning. Sakshadhaditrena, the Guru is directly Krishna. Sakshadhari, Samastha Shastri. All the Shastras are saying that. He says it here, Shastri Pramani. All the scriptures are saying. This is Vishwanath's verse, Guru Vastakam. But then he says, Kitu Prabhorja Priyavatasya. But he's also a, a devotee of, of Krishna. So, very, Beda Beda, it's very interesting. One and different. He's Guru, he's Krishna, but he's the servant of Krishna at the same time. In the beginning, the fact that he's directly representing Krishna will be more important to us. Later, the fact that he's a devotee of Krishna in a particular way with a particular sentiment will be more important to us. Because why? Devotees are more important than Krishna. So the aspect of the guru as the devotee will be more important to us ultimately than the aspect of, of the guru as Krishna. But in the beginning, this one really rings loudly. I remember the first time Prabhupada said so, giving a lecture in Los Angeles in New York, he said, the guru is uh, incarnation of the mercy of Krishna. I thought, my God, that's, wow. Standing next to Krishna's mercy here and manifesting. It's very, it's very practical though because uh, Krishna is busy with many things. But he comes to us in a particular form locally to deal with us. That should be the most important manifestation of Krishna in our lives. Sridhar Marsh once said that if you're doing some service for your guru and Krishna appears before you and asks you to do something, you should tell him first, wait, let me go and ask my guru. <laughs> Is that the one you're talking about? Is that, is that him? So... A strong emphasis on, on this, and for good reason. But two aspects of the Guru. So, with the later part, what kind of servant he is, and how we will envision him following the Lord and the Brajalila and so forth, this will become important to us as we begin to pursue that ideal in the advanced stages of devotional service. That, more so than the fact that he's a Guru, we should listen to him, all the Shastras say this, I should pay attention. That will be, when that's digested, hmm, then the other aspects will become more prominent. So, now he will begin to cite verses from Bhagavatam and other places to establish his point. Simple point here, that the Guru is a manifestation of Krishna. And two, and there's another point, that, that there's two types of Gurus he wants to talk about, Diksha Guru and Shiksha Guru. First, the Diksha Guru, he says, Acharya Mambijaniyam, Krishna is speaking from, yeah, to Uddhava in Srimad Bhagavatam, 11th Canto. One should know the Acharya as myself and never disrespect him in any way. One should not envy him, think him an ordinary man. He is a representative of all the demigods. So, this verse again comes in 11th Canto. It's a section where Uddhava asks... Krishna to speak about that aspect of Varnashram Dharma which is which is eternal and 
bringing one in the direction of eternal life and ultimately bhakti. Previous to that, he had discussed other occasional uh, dharmas and so forth. And in that context, after describing something about the household of dharma, he describes about brahmachari dharma. And this verse comes. And interestingly, uh, here Krishna is speaking about what is commonly called the kuluguru. Kuluguru means the family guru. In a traditional system in India, the children are sent to the gurukula, the house of the guru. Ram was sent and Lakshman to the house of their guru. Who was their guru? Vishamrita? Vashishta? One of the two. At any rate, Krishna went to the house of his guru, Sandipani Muni, with Balaram. They learned so many things. So this is one kind of guru. Another kind of guru, Krishna says, what? He says that Radharani is my guru. She's my dancing guru. I'm just following her, dancing behind her. She's the Siksha guru of Krishna. And Sandipani Muni is the Diksha guru. But at any rate, they both they followed this traditional system, Ram and Krishna. They went to the house of the Guru and they learned so many things there, practical things, spiritual things and so forth. And then um, obedience is, respect, is expected and, and whatnot. And then they graduate from the school and they go home and they carry out their life and they're initiated. So this might be a Sadguru, might not be a Sadguru. Uh, in fact, often in India there's Kulu Guru and we don't think that initiation to be very important. Oh yeah, you had a family guru and he gave you initiation, but it's deteriorated to the point that the Kulu Guru is not necessarily teaching Sadharma. So um, here, Krishna, here Krishna is talking about the, the Kulu Guru, the family guru, and giving such emphasis. And this is common in India. Everywhere the teacher is the guru whether he be the music teacher or the military teacher or one of the arts or whether um, it be the, the elder brother. <laughs> There's so many instances in which someone is considered as, as guru. You can really, really it's, it gets a little closer in, in the traditional sense of the, uh, to the idea of Sri Dharmarsh when he said, we are going to a land of gurus. And again, Bande Gurun, he's given a plural here, Krishnas Kaviraj Goswami, in his obeisances to the, to the principle of Guru. So there are many manifestations of the Guru, and they all should be honored equally. Prabhupada's going to bring this point up, on, in, uh, I believe, in his purport in the last verse of this section that I hope you get to today. <clears throat> so I only bring this up to the context of the uh, statement here. Uh, to emphasize the point, what to speak then of the Sadguru, if the Kuluguru should be regarded in this way. Regard, gratitude, this should permeate our whole, uh, our whole life. Whoever teaches us, whoever helps us, we should hold them in some regard. Even if at some point they can no longer help us or teach us, which may cause us to keep some distance, still we re have regard for them at the time in which they did help and think of them in that light and so forth. Shikshu Guru ke natat jani Krishnera swarup antaryami bhakta shreshta edui rup. So then he says, one should know that the instructing spiritual master is the personality of Godhead Krishna. Krishna himself manifests as the super soul and the greatest devotee of the Lord. So again, in his description of the two phenomena of Guru, 
that he wants to deal with, Diksha Guru and Siksha Guru. See how much emphasis he's giving here to the Siksha Guru. It can also mean this, this to us, that Diksha will not have much value without Siksha. And without Siksha, who will have any sense to, get, to take the Diksha? But we don't want to underestimate, neither in the, in the name of, in, in emphasizing as I am, the Siksha, we cannot minimize in any way the importance of the Diksha. They're going together. They're equal manifestations of the Lord, but there are different functions. The Diksha Guru's function it comes under Madan Mohan, Sambandha. The mantra is given. Inside the mantra is your relationship with Krishna to come out. So he's giving that. And Siksha Guru is a function of the um, Govinda Dev, Abhideya, teaching the practices how to apply yourself in relation to that diksha. Again, Sambandha is like who's who, what's what. So you're a Krishna Das, your name is Krishna Das. And the mantra inside, will, we, I give you, that will bring out in greater detail what is that Krishna Das. Now, that is water that planting with so much siksha. And so much siksha comes before that to convince you of the necessity of, of the initiation. But... At any rate, here, he goes on pretty much for the balance of this discussion, talking about the principle of the Siksha Guru. And it may be also that such a concept needed more emphasis to be established, that there's a Siksha Guru, this plurality of gurus. It seems to be an emphasis of Gaudiya Vaishnavism, interestingly enough, uh, in our times, while the emphasis goes in the other direction. Uh, the whole tradition seems to emphasize this to the extreme. See, what... It, to what extent he's going to. Now, so many Pramana verses he's giving to establish that the Siksha Guru is also a manifestation of Krishna. Krishna is the original instructor. So he quotes from Bhagavatam, this must be 11th canto also, Uddhava Gita, 11, yeah, 11.29.6, Naivod payanti apichitim apachitim kavayastavesha brahma yushapikritam vridhamuttasparantaha O my Lord, transcendental poets and experts in spiritual science could not fully express their indebtedness to you, even if they were endowed with the prolonged lifetime of Brahma, for you appear in two features, externally as the Acharya, and internally as the Supersoul, to deliver the embodied living being by directing him how to come to you. So, by directing him, how to come to you. This is the idea. So he says, this is verses speaking about Abhideya Tattva and Shiksha, giving instructions. In fact, this verse is cited later on in Chaitanya Charitamrita, in the 22nd chapter, where <coughs> Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is giving instructions to Sanatana Goswami. I believe he's explaining the Atmarama verse there. And he's explaining Abhideya Tattva. This verse is cited. So, very appropriately, it's cited here as a Pramana Shloka to establish what? That there is such a thing as a Siksha Guru and that the Siksha Guru is a manifestation of Krishna, who is within as the Chaitya Guru and appears without as the saint to give us advice. Then, further, now, to establish that Krishna is, Krishna is the principal, uh, that the Siksha Guru is a manifestation of Krishna. What he does, in other words, is what Krishna is doing. 
What does he say? Tesham satata yuktanam bhajatam priti purvakam dadami buddhi yogam tam yenamam upayantite. This is from Bhagavad Gita, the Chatur Shloka of the Bhagavad Gita. He cites this Chatur Shloka of Bhagavad Gita. This means the four verses that are the essential uh, verses of Bhagavad Gita. They come in the tenth chapter following the, uh, the Lord's statement at the beginning of the ninth chapter. In other words, in the tenth chapter, it doesn't begin with Arjuna asking a question, but Krishna keeps on talking in the tenth chapter uh, from what he was speaking about in the ninth chapter. In the beginning of the ninth chapter, what does Krishna say? He says, I'm going to speak to you now about the most confidential knowledge. And what is the most confidential knowledge? Bhakti. Actually, in the ultimate issue, Gyan and Bhakti are one. People like to separate the two, make a path of Gyan, the path of bhakti. But we say that bhakti is ultimately the highest knowledge, the most confidential knowledge. So, it's interesting. He cites a verse of the Chatur Shlok of the Gita. And now he's going to follow by sliding, citing the Chatur Shlok of the Bhagavatam as well to establish his point that Krishna, from within the heart, gives instruction. And this giving instruction is shiksha, guidance. So Krishna is the original Shiksha Guru, in other words. You may not have been initiated by Krishna, but still Krishna is your, one of your Shiksha Gurus. He's the original Shiksha Guru. And if you follow your Guru then carefully, then this original Shiksha Guru will speak to you. And there may, 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 may be many manifestations of that Shiksha Guru. If they do the same thing that he does, then this is the same principle. So this is how he's using this verse. This is an important verse. As I say, one of the Chatur Shlokas of the Gita. And now followed by a discussion of the Chatur Shloka of Bhagavatam. Yata Brahmane Bhagavan Swayam Upadish Yanubhavitavan. Supreme Lord taught Brahma and made himself realized. Gyanam Paramaguhyam me yad bhijana samanvitam sarahasya tadangam cha grihana gaditam maya. So he's citing two verses here, this one and then the next one, that are introductory verses to the Chatur Shlok of the Bhagavatam. Four slokas of the Bhagavatam that Krishna spoke to Brahma at the dawn of creation, which are said to be the Bhagavatam in essence, that was expanded upon by Narada, who was the disciple of Brahma, in twelve verses when he, when he inspired Vyas to write the Bhagavatam, and uh, from which... Um, also, uh, Sukadeva Goswami expanded, and Sutta Goswami heard when Sukadeva Goswami spoke to Parikshit, and with him we have 18,000 some shlokas, of the, uh, almost 18,000 shlokas of Srimad Bhagavatam, starting from four. So there's a lot in these uh, four verses. Prabhupada gives an extensive commentary, but um, it, uh, with the task that he had at hand to render the whole Bhagavatam in English, he couldn't really do, do justice. The whole book could be written about those four shlokas. In fact, there are 18,000 shlokas about those four, which is called Srimad Bhagavatam today. So, there's a lot there. But basically here, it seems that what Krishna's Kaviraj wants to do by citing them is to establish that Krishna is the guru. Our Sampradaya is coming from Brahma, from Krishna to Brahma. So, Krishna is the original guru in our Sampradaya. He was in Brahma's heart also. Brahma heard the sounds. He, Brahma was sincere. So he heard the sound tapa, two syllables. He didn't know where they came from, but he thought, I'm sincere, I, I'm earnest, so this must be an answer 
to my earnest appeal as to what my source is. Where, what am I? And so he executed tapa, which means austerity. In this section of Bhagavatam, this is the ninth chapter of the second canto of Bhagavatam, Krishna says, I am penance. The world revolves around penance. Everything comes from penance or austerity. It's very dear to me, to my heart. You can think about these things. A nice verse to know. In the ninth chapter of the second canto of Bhagavatam, Krishna speaking about that penance that Brahma did. When you do penance, when you do some austerity, some fasting, or just the penance, the austerity of living a, a spiritual life, you, you'll feel it mentally, you'll feel it spiritually. This penance is knowledge. This penance will, will give you understanding. Ultimately, this penance is bhakti, as much as knowledge is ultimately bhakti. So, jnanam paramam guyame, he says, like he said at the beginning of the ninth chapter of the Gita, which ultimately ended up in the tenth chapter with the Chatur Shlok, the essence of the Gita speaking about Raghunuga Bhakti. As he introduces the Chatur Shlok in Bhagavatam that he's going to speak to, to Brahma, Krishna says the same thing. Jnanam Paramaguyam Me. This is the supreme knowledge, most secret, supreme secret, and Sadhahasyam. These four shlokas explain the whole philosophy, Achindya Veda the metaphysic, the tattva, and the bhav of the of the um, of Srimad Bhagavatam comes ultimately to Rag Marg and Braj Bhakti. This is what it's about. So this can all be drawn from these slokas. So I think that Krishna Kaviraj Goswami, besides using these verses here, both the Gita verse and the verses from Bhagavatam, uh, to establish that Krishna is the original Shiksha Guru, if you will, he's also found a convenient place to, to put them in the text here. They come again in twenty fifth chapter where Mahabrabhu was explaining to Prakashananda Saraswati the, how the Srimad Bhagavatam is a natural commentary on Vedanta Sutra. <coughs> hmm? And some explanation is there, so you can study that section as well to get more light on the significance of these slokas. I also have a book in the cooker. In the cooker? Cooking, I'm cooking up a book <laughs> about that gives an explanation of these four uh, verses and three verses of the introduction of Srimad Bhagavatam and then 11 or 12, 15 verses from Bhagavatam that show the Eightfold Daily Leela of Krishna, essence of Srimad Bhagavatam. So then, anyway, let's read through the verses. Yavanaham yato bhavo yadrupa guna karmaka tataiva tattva vijnanam astu temad anugrahat by my causes mercy, Brahma, be enlightened in truth about my personality, manifestations, qualities, and pastimes. Then the first verse, now the Chatur Shloka. This is Krishna giving instruction to Brahma. He's acting as the Siksha Guru. He was, and it's important to note, he was in, I don't know if I made this point, he was in Brahma's heart. Brahma didn't see him. He heard the sounds, tapa. He followed him, and Krishna appeared outside to instruct him. This is exactly what Krishna's Kavaraj is saying. The Siksha Guru is inside He's Krishna. He appears outside also to instruct us. Very nice. Ahomevasam evagri nanyat yat set yat sat asat puram paschadaham yadi tachcha yovishvashisheta sosmi aham. Prior to the cosmic create, and you can imagine, if Krishna is going to say the essence of the Bhagavatam in four verses, they're kind of abstract and there's a lot to draw out from there. So. Anyway, prior to the cosmic manifestation, only I exist, and no phenomenon exists, either gross, subtle, or primordial. After creation, only I exist, and everything, and after annihilation, only I remain eternally. Rite tam yat 
What appears to be truth without me is certainly my illusory energy, for nothing can exist without me. It is like a reflection of real light in the shadows, for in the light there are neither shadows nor reflections. All material, as the material elements enter into the bodies of all living beings and yet remain outside them all, I exist within all material creations and yet I am not within them. This is your Chinti Beda Beda. Etabad eva jignasyam tatva jignasu natmanaha andaya vyatirekapyam yatsyat sarvatra sarvada. A person interested in transcendental knowledge must therefore always directly and indirectly acquire about it to know the all pervading truth. These verses also, Mahabharata has explained them to Prakashananda Saraswati in terms of uh, Sambandha Abhideya. So, without going into a whole explanation of these verses, and so as I say, this is how they're used here by Krishna Skambhirash Goswami to establish his point. I think it should be clear. The Sikshu Guru is the Lord, and the devotee who appears outside to give the same instructions that the Lord gives. Then a final verse to this section. Chintamaniya jayati somagiri guru me. Shiksha gurus cha bhagavan shikha pincha mori. Yat all glories to Chintamani, my initiating spiritual master, Somagiri. All glories to my instructing spiritual master, the Supreme Personality of God, who wears peacock feathers and his crown. Under the shade of his lotus feet, which are like desire trees, Jaisi, Siradha, enjoys the transcendental mellow of an eternal consort. This is a very, very, very famous verse of Bilvamangala Thakur. Bilvamangala Thakur, in a book called Krishna Karnamrita. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu went to South India touring and he found two books there. He found one book, Brahma Samhita, fifth chapter. And all the tattva of Gaudiya Vaishnavism is found there. This is a tattva grantha. He found another book, Krishna Karnamrita. And this is the bhajan grantha of uh, Gaudiya Vaishnavism. He brought these two back books and shared them with his devotees. Some copies were made. And, uh, and um, subsequently some commentaries have been written. The most famous commentary on uh, Krishna Karnamrita is written by our dear uh, author of Chaitanya Charitamrita, Krishnas Kaviraj Goswami. And of course the Bhajan Granta here of uh, Gaudiya Vaishnavism comes to the point of uh, Radha Dasyam, how the service of Radha is more dear to the devotees than than service of Krishna. And Bhava um, Mangal Thakur was, was, a, was a wonderful uh, devotee, said to be come from the um, uh, Vishnu Swami Sampradaya, in which Sridhar Swami, the famous commentator on the Bhagavatam that Mahaprabhu respected so much, and we'll be hearing about this tonight, in a discussion of Balababhatta, who thought he had a better commentary than Sridhar Swami. Um, see Mahaprabhu's reaction. So, Bhava Mangal Thakur comes in that, uh, Vaishnav Sampradaya. So, we find that the ideas of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, they have a beginning. 
before him. But with him coming, they were able to be crystallized and systematized into a sampradaya, a teaching. There were poets like Chandidas and Jaidev and um, others, and then uh, poets and scholars, really, sadhus like Bilbo Mangala Thakur. This particular verse is the, is the very first introductory Mangal verse of uh, Krishna Karnamrita. And in this verse, relevant to the discussion here in Chaitanya Charitamrita, he offers his obeisances to his initiating guru, Somagiri, who is a culpa, who's a chintamani, who's a touchstone, from whom you can get anything. And then to his Siksha Guru, uh, that peacock adorned Sham Sundar, Krishna himself, who appeared to him and gave him instructions in Vrindavan. Um, so he offers his respect to his Diksha Guru and, and to his Siksha Guru and establishes here that Krishna is a Siksha Guru. Another way of reading this is that rather than taking Chintamani, what is it, Chintamani Jai, Jayati, Jayati, Somagiri, Somagiri was his initiating guru. Under his direction, Viva Mangal began to envision Krishna Leela and to write about Krishna Leela. So Somagiri gave him another a nickname, a secondary name called Leela Sukha, and, and then gave him permission to go to Vrindavan and reside there. So he went there. But how he got there in the first place and got the inspiration to go and seek out Sadhguru ultimately was, is a very interesting story. And in relation to that, this verse can be interpreted a different way, in a way in which I believe, um, yes, Prabhupada has translated it without much elaboration, at least not in the, in the, in the text itself, in the translation itself. Chintamani Jai, Jayati, glories to Chintamani, and glories to Somagiri, my guru, initiating guru, which means another guru named Chintamani. So Chintamani was a lady, uh, a working lady, who Bilbo um, Mangal Thakur had attachment for. And his attachment for her, inappropriate and immoral as it was, was so intense that it's, that it's described uh, by Krishna's Kaviraj, I believe in his commentary, that... In one night in a, in, a, in a thunderstorm, he sought to have satisfy his lust by meeting with her. And, and it was so difficult. It was dark, pouring rain, thunder, lightning. He had to cross the river, and the river was raging. So he, he found what he thought was a log to float across the river. It was a dead body. He got to the other end. and he said, Oh, God, I was floating on a dead body. <laughs> anyway, he got out, and then he went, and there was, the, you know, doors and windows were cl were closed. There were no windows, high walls. Doors were locked. It was a rainy night. He tried to f find his way, and he saw something hanging down. So he grabbed on that to pull himself up, and just pulled himself up to throw himself over, and found that he had grabbed onto the tail end of a rope, uh, on, the, on the rope with the tail of a snake. And, it, and in so many ways, uh, his path to reach her was very, very... Uh, uh, difficult and uh, and appalling, and uh, he went over the wall and landed on the other side, and and he was injured. He couldn't move, and she came to his assistance. What are you doing here? So she nursed him back to health, and it dawned on her. She said, "If this kind of enthusiasm you had you had exercised to meet Krishna, you'd be a saint, and your life would be perfect." And it just struck him like a lightning bolt, due to his sukriti from the past. It struck him, and he thought, you're right. And so he went to find a guru. And she also did. She also became a sad. 
a saint. They went in different directions, but he headed towards Vrindavan. So he offers his obeisances to a plurality to end the section of gurus, to Chintamani, who is his Vardma Pradarsha guru, the guru who showed the way. Even she wasn't enlightened. She was a harlot. Krishna spoke through her. This is the point. Krishna spoke through her. It was Krishna who inspired him, and he took it like that. And so he always held her in, in, a, in, a, in a new light, in this light, with regard. And then he met his initiating guru, and his initiating guru gave him the blessing to go to Vrindavan, and there he met Krishna. It, it, it's a long story, but uh, at some point uh, in his pursuit, he, in his, in his intense humility and self-deprecation that's common for ad advanced devotees as they approach the higher ideal, they feel themselves very insignificant and small, and any fault, any fault they have, they magnify. <clears throat> so he found that, he, that, oh, he thought he had some, some lust in his, in, his, in his eyes to look at a woman other than as uh, the energy of Krishna. It was really exaggerated, as I say. And the way he dealt with it is evidence of that. He asked for her hairpin, and she gave it, and he took, blinded himself. So, so that he would not use his eyes like this is a madness of ecstasy. It's not a fall down. This is just like insanity of an advanced devotee. And so he was living blind and chanting the holy name. And then one um, fellow came to him, one young village boy, and uh, maybe brought him some milk and, and whatnot. And then he, he was very attracted to that boy speaking. And so he tried to reach out to catch him, but the boy kept circling him. And, he couldn't catch him. Then he realized it was Krishna himself had come. And he said, I may not be able to grab you, but you cannot get out of my heart. I've locked you there. So, something in the story of Bilba Mangal Thakur, whose verse, Krishna Naskavirash Goswami, concludes this section, the discussion of the Guru, both Diksha and Shiksha, and how they are directly a manifestation of the Lord.